I'm Dr. Jason Kessler. Long ago, I learned something that really isn't news at all. I learned that there's not a single person that you'll ever meet that you can't learn things from. In this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life and discover what together we can learn from them. This is the Professor Anyone podcast. My guest professor today is Alec Wands. Alec is an author, entrepreneur, coach, salesman, and a health nut. He's a huge advocate for failure because that's what breeds success. Uh, he also tells me that he loves doing anything physically active, reading, writing, cooking, and learning. Uh, and I would definitely agree with him that meeting new people and having meaningful conversations truly is the most fun thing to do on the planet. Alec, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Of course, Jason. Thank you very much for having me and for the very kind intro. Uh, with you being a doctor and everything, I feel like I'd be like an ideal patient for you to come see. <laughs> <laughs> Alec wrote a book called Conquer Yourself, Overcoming Adversity and Defeating Doubt to Become Your Best You. And that's that's a long title, but it describes very accurately what the book is about. We'll want to talk about some of the things that are in the book, but I'd like to start by asking you a little bit about your journey and what led you to write that book. Yeah, that's a very good question. I think like all good stories start at the beginning, right? So I'm not going to go through all like every detail, but went through, grew up through public schools, all the way through high school. Instead of playing high school soccer, I tried to try my luck and try to play in one of the best uh, soccer academy teams in the country, which is Sporting Kansas City in the MLS. So I was in their academy for a couple of years and the goal was to go professional from there. So I took a gap year after high school, which a lot of people are like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, you're going to be behind. And I didn't think I was being behind. I was chasing my dream. And throughout that process, I got to play with so many professional players, got to meet so many amazing people. And unfortunately, I didn't get a contract. So then I decided to go to college. And I'm like 5'10 for like a goalkeeper, which is not the tallest. So I emailed probably every division one school across the country and got a couple replies back. And the one that I ended up choosing was Marquette University. So I went from Kansas City up to Milwaukee as a walk-on. So I did not receive any athletic scholarship money. And I worked my tail off for the two years I was here and did not see a single minute of game time, actually. And I had to actually stop my playing career during my sophomore year because I developed arthritis in my foot. Um, so that was not a fun thing to be able to hear because I'd been injured before and I always thought like, hey, all right, so like, what's the surgery? What's the cast? Like, no big deal, doc. And the MRI revealed something a little bit different. And it kind of um, shattered me at that point because everything I'd worked for for the previous 15 years was just done. Like my dream of playing was just gone. It took me a lot of time to bounce back from that because I tied a lot of my self-worth into my playing career. But now when I look back, it was probably one of the biggest blessings and disguises I could have ever had. Because it got me on the fast track to starting a couple of businesses, to start networking, to really get my life off to a great start. So what I thought was going to be my greatest demise ended up being like one of my biggest blessings. Through that, I had ups and downs, graduated from Marquette University with a degree in exercise physiology, and I got a job at Exos. So I had an internship actually previously before where I was training NFL combine players, which was awesome. And then that transition period of going from graduation into the work field really kind of threw me through a loop because the job I was going into wasn't everything was promised. I had a relationship end. I had a whole bunch of just major life events happen at one time. And it just honestly crushed me. That kind of inspired me to write my book. 
I just knew other young adults out there were struggling because I was trying to start a mental health company as well for other college students. And I was like, at first I started writing for myself. It's just a way to kind of get thoughts, feelings, everything out. And then I was like, okay, like based on the people I've talked to, this this could be a really good resource for other people. So that's why I started like writing the book and the points of the book where I felt like I wanted to quit because it's, it is a marathon, not a sprint to write a book. Mm-hmm. I just kept everyone else in mind of, who this book can help. And I'm so glad that I did because all the feedback that I've gotten from the hundreds of people who've read my book has been honestly amazing. So it's just been great that I've been able to help that many people or that they've been able to resonate. So your, your book is, is a very personal journey. It, uh, it talks all about the story that you just told and, and lots of the details in there, but also gives a lot of your philosophy on what it takes to be to be better, to be the best person that you can be. And you walk us through the story of, of your life and how you're able to, uh, how you're able to apply that. And tell me a little bit about who's the book really for? Who's, who's your target audience for the book? The book was honestly targeted towards like young adults. So late teens, early twenties. And it's funny because I've had people in their fifties reach out, like I'm going through like this midlife crisis and this is like a reset button for me. But ultimately, the book is for whoever's reading it. That's why it's called Conquer Yourself. It doesn't matter if you're 15, 26, 37, 89. The toughest opponent that you're ever going to face in your life is yourself. And it's the mindset that you have whenever you're going through your day. So if there's something that you can't do or you don't think you can do, you're the person who's convincing yourself that. You're the person who has to live with yourself each day. You're the person who dictates where your life goes. So that's why it's called Conquer Yourself is because while there's a lot of external things that happen out in the world that we can't control, the one person that you can control is yourself. And you could either shoot for the stars or literally just stay on the ground your whole life and it's up to you. My favorite question is to tell me about a goal that you achieved and one that you're still working on. And I'm going to qualify that since saying you can't say your book is the goal that you achieved. So Ruling out that one, tell, tell me about a goal that you achieved and one that you're still working on. Okay, that's perfect. So one goal that I did achieve that was not the book that I wrote was actually to play collegiate soccer division one school. So when I was in high school, I already kind of started to develop this mentality just because I kind of felt like I was always an underdog in a way. I wrote on two note cards, like three goals I wanted to have. Like one of them was to play professional soccer. And one of them was to play collegiate soccer. The other one was just be the best person I could be each day. And I had those note cards like posted up. I taped it to my bathroom mirror. I put it in my car. So I drove to practice. I saw it. So for legit, I think it was two years that I looked at those note cards every day when I brushed my teeth in the morning, drove to practice, brushed my teeth at night. And I did achieve my dream of playing Division One soccer. So while I didn't actually get game time, I was able to make it on the roster. I was able to be there. I was able to travel. I was able to do everything and just step actually be able to get a couple of minutes in a a legit exhibition match. But just the fact that I got there based on my skill level, physical stature and everything was amazing. It was something that not a lot of people thought that I could do. And I ended up doing that. And then um, the second question, you said one goal that I'm still pursuing now. Right. All right. So I wrote Conquer Yourself. The other book that I wrote is called actually the Conquer Your Habits Handbook. This one's more of almost like a workbook for people to be able to achieve better habits. And it's kind of the, the special formula recipe that I use in my life to be able to achieve goals, be able to develop habits that get me to that next step. So currently what I've been working towards is 
my goal is to read more than 60 minutes a day. So I have my book. I write down my goals each day, what down what I'm grateful for. I write down what I did well, what I can do better for the next day. Because I just believe reading is amazing. Like if you ever want to learn something or learn from someone, a book is just an amazing thing to do because you can take it anywhere you go, soak up so much knowledge. I'm just a huge advocate for reading. There's perhaps no more valuable thing than that a person can do than to to be well read. And uh, reading starts, you know, being well read starts at a very early age. In fact, uh, I, I'm a pediatrician, of course, and I will tell parents of young infants that you should be reading to your to your kids. To even go so far as to suggest that reading to a baby in the womb is of value to them because that helps them to learn to recognize mom's voice or even dad's voice, uh, whoever's whoever's doing that that reading. It's a way that we learn language. We learn about stories. We learn about principles. We learn about how to do, for example, the things that you're that you're that you're talking about today, how to write down your goals and put them in a place where you're going to look at them and see them every day and help you help to remind you and help you keep going. And we learn about all of these skills and tricks and tips by by reading from uh, reading about them, but also just reading fiction. Fiction uh, you know, can we can learn a lot about the the area of the time pe- period that it, that it goes in. We can learn about human relations from what happens in the story. Alec, one of your big goals is to do a lot of reading, and I think that's a great goal. So tell me a little bit about what's on your reading list. Yeah, so I'm uh, some people like to read fiction stuff. I love to read nonfiction books. So I love to read stuff from like Russell Brunson. I have a couple of his books here. I have what Dan Henry. I've read Robert Kiyosaki. Just into all of this nonfiction business personal growth, development, all of the above there. It's like I've just have like an addiction to it. And mm-hmm. I love reading and learning. And the thing I love about it is the things that I'm reading, I not only just, I don't read the book and put it down. I'm actively taking notes through it. I'm putting post notes in it. And I'm actually taking actions each day based on what I just read. So I think that's the step that's even one step further than just reading is if you are truly getting a book that's going to change your life or you want to change your life, then you have to create action on the things that you're learning in the book. And one thing I really like about about you, Alec, and I want to point this out to my listeners because I think many of them will have caught on to this maybe subconsciously and 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 not have paid attention. So we talk to a lot of people who are, you know, if we listen to or talk to people who are really adept at helping those self-help types of topics. And they will often go very instructional on us and and say, well, this is what you should do and how you should how you should do things. Your way of doing that is to say, this is what I do. And I think that's really powerful because it's not only instructional to think about those, those things, but you, you as an example, you're doing these things. This is what you are doing. And we can learn to do those things, not from you telling us to do them, but from you telling us what you do. You know, I think like one of the things like here, like Learning looks different for everyone. Like I'm very visual, a good combination of visual and auditory. Everyone learns different. Everyone is different. I think it's beautiful. So like this is why there's so many different ways to do the same thing is because people like a certain way better. They adjust a certain way. And a common theme that I've really developed is when I talk about things or write stuff down, it makes it real. It takes those thoughts from outside of our head and it puts them out in the world, whether it's on paper or just into existence. And it's like all of a sudden this like like switch just flips in our brain. It's like, wow, like I didn't even realize it before, but that was actually happening or I was really thinking this. So 
So that's one of the reasons why the first book I have, it's available on like ebook and hard copy. But the second one is only available like paperback hard copy because I want people to write in it. So like you can't get it on like, you can't just get an ebook copy. It's a workbook. Exactly. Called the Conquer Your Habits Handbook. And it's how to help anyone form any habit you desire without spending more than five minutes a day. A lot of people love it because you take some actionable things you learned in the Conquer Yourself book. And it's like, okay, like people are like, I want to make a change in my life because where I am now is not where I want to be. And then the second book is the vehicle of change, if you will to be able to get them from point A to B by just taking small actionable steps each day. Because as we know, like habits help us achieve our goals. What is a lesson that you've learned from an unexpected source? As you grow up, you are scared to ask questions. You're scared to be wrong. You're scared to fail. And when I talk to like my mentor, this guy's been the CEO of several companies, very experienced entrepreneur himself. They're literally like, no question's a stupid question. Like if you have this question, someone else probably has it. And it took me a little bit to work my brain around that because I always thought like, oh, if I ask a question, people are going to think like I'm dumb or stupid or I don't know what I'm talking about. But they're literally like, you're going to look a lot worse if you make a mistake and you didn't ask than if you just ask in the first place. So now everything I do is I'll ask people questions. I will ask people whatever, honestly, because the worst thing they can say is no. And you're like, oh, okay move on. But most of the time, like almost, I would say nine out of 10 people are willing to help you or guide you in some direction. So I'm like, what's the harm in asking? Whether it's a question about a homework assignment, how to start a business. Should I iron my shirt on this notch? I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> what's the best advice that you've ever received? Probably to work smarter and not harder. And my dad told me this all the time when I was younger and it just push me to work harder. Like almost like if there was a brick wall that I was going to run through it. When you find out that you get hurt when you run through brick walls, you learn your lessons quicker or you think you should, but you don't learn them as well. I just say like sometimes you need to take a step back from the approach you have to whatever situation you're approaching, reassess, rethink, take the extra time there. It's going to save you so much more time in the long end. And time is the most valuable resource that we have access to. It's not money. It's nothing material. It's just how you spend your time because you're never going to get that minute back, the hour back, that last year back. So just that's been the biggest thing for me too, is just realizing how essential time management is into living the life that you want and fitting everything you want into your life. I'm a huge time blocker and calendar junkie. Like if it's in my calendar, like that's where it is. And I have a lot of like, I don't like pat myself on the back, but I think I have a lot of like self-discipline and a lot of people are like, ooh, like discipline, it sounds bad. But when you think about it, the more self-disciplined you are with your schedule and what you do, the more you can fit into it. Because you have planned times for things. You can I have blocks for free time where like, hey, I don't know what I'm gonna do right now, but I'm just like blocking this off for like a mental break. And that is kind of how I go by day by day. So I remember everything because we all know it. Like the day starts to just accelerate faster and faster. And my calendar saves my butt so many times. I'll get a little notification like, oh, I need to be here in five minutes, so I better get moving or I need to do this. And it's just a nice place for me to keep things organized. And everyone has their own different system. But for me, time blocking and calendar is a really nice visual way for me to kind of plan out my day. It might feel nice to look at your calendar and have a big open block, but then you get to that time and either something else is flowing into it or you don't know what to do with it. Some later point in time, you're going you're gonna to go, 
oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. So if you don't block time for the things that you need to do, it's really easy to lose total track of not only the blocks of time that you do have, but the things that you plan to do with them. David Ogilvy, he was one of the masters of advertising back in the 1900s, I think. He wrote, I think, two books, like almost like the father of advertising. And he was known for just his time management skills. And he was pretty much like the one thing that you need in your office is just a big fat clock. <laughs> and <laughs> it just really resonated with me. It's like, yeah, like if you want to accomplish a certain amount of things in your life, or you want to plan your day, it's not a bad thing. It's a little hard sometimes for some people to pull back on the reins, but actually when you do that, you're able to do a lot more of what you want and actually be able to alleviate more stress than what some people think is caused by more stress by having a calendar with a lot of colors or words or whatever it is that people use. What, what is your personal motive or your purpose? What's your why? That is such a good question because I feel like it's taken a lot of time to figure that out and I think I'm still figuring that out. But when I really think about what my why is, what my purpose is, almost what my like gift was, my purpose is, I feel like to just truly provide value to other people's lives. I know there's points in my life I wish that I would have had more advice or guidance or help, and I want to be the person to provide that to other people. Um, more specifically, a newer venture I'm kind of taking on is helping young men to be able to form better habits quicker. So like is the concept of the second book is to be able to really help teach people how to manage their schedules, gain self-confidence, because those are the things that are really going to help us on our day to day. They're going to affect our mindset. They're going to affect how we approach work, life, everything. So I just love having conversations with people. I love providing value and just helping people any way that I can. I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, and I know you're at least somewhat familiar with his with his work and 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 you mentioned in your book the the concept of of why of having a, of having a purpose and i think it's so important for us to examine and try to figure out what it is that drives us because that can really help us to choose wisely when we're thinking about what we need to be doing and where we need to focus focus our energies and i also love your idea of adding additional value to, to for other people value is a tricky a tricky term in itself but another thing that i learned from simon sinek it was that uh, there's a whole section in the bookstore on self help but there's no help others section but really, when we're working on things to help ourselves, to do so most effectively and to do so with the most value is to help other people. Yes, it's it, it, this is like a perfect metaphor to describe what you just said is, you know, when you're in an airplane and they're giving you a little spiel before you take off, all the safety precautions. And when they get to the part where they tell you to put on your mask before you put on someone else's for oxygen. The same thing goes in life. Like You have to water your own garden first. You have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Because when you're able to help yourself first, you have a lot more to give to others. But if you always give to others first and maybe don't treat yourself as a priority, you're not able to feel fulfilled yourself and then you're not able to continue helping others. So it's not selfish to water your own garden, to put on your mask first, because it actually allows you to fulfill your purpose to begin with of helping other people. So in order to help other people, you also have to help yourself. What's something that you that you have done that, that you hope can outlive you? I hope what I can leave this world is is like when i'm not here anymore people will say like this is not like in a like a cocky way or anything I'm just like wow like what he was able to teach me was really able to change my life path was able to change my course or just a simple conversation made me smile that day 
it's just a lot of those people leave with like, he provided value to me. He didn't ask for anything in return or he just really helped me through a hard time in my life. I just really hope that I can instill this value and um, feelings into other people that should just keep passing on kindness to other people to keep providing value because what you put out in the universe, I believe you're going to receive that back like tenfold. Not for any like personal gaining. It's just like, yeah, if you give good, you're probably going to get good back. So just that concept. And it's almost funny. Like when people almost just give with no expectation of receiving anything in a turn, that's almost when you get more than you ever thought you could when you're trying to give to get back. It, it's kind of funny how that principle works. The universe has a very good way of restoring balance. <laughs> Tell me a story from your childhood that you think really made you who you are today. All right. So we're going to get a little deep here. I like it. When I really think about it, when I really think about me, like liking to provide value to others, to have conversations with others, it's like it's very relationship driven is what I found out. Because I mean, I have like for the longest time, I would be confused. I'm like, why do I feel like you need to people please and always do this? So I, I did seek out like a counselor or therapist. And I think it's amazing. I think everyone should, whether you're on top of the world or you're down in the dumps, it's always a good like reality check for you. An extra little set of eyes on what you got going on in your head. But my parents got divorced when I was pretty young, I think around like five or so. Just having that like split just made me think of like people leaving in a way. So I think one of the reasons I originally started to provide value to try and just give everything of myself to other people was because I didn't want to feel like abandoned. As I started sorting through those emotions, probably when I was man, 21, 22, so holding on to that stuff for like 15, 16 years was really hard because I didn't even realize everything I was kind of holding in inside in a way. And now, rather than me feeling like I have to people please or provide value so people don't leave me, I do it strictly because it makes me feel good. People can take it or leave it. And life is honestly so much happier because I just believe if you are being respectful and you're putting good out in the world, you're not hurting anybody. So keep doing it, whether other people like it or not. Like, so I think that's one of the things I really found when I kind of looked within myself when I kind of conquered myself in a way. And that's an ongoing process process that you're just like, it's like, you're like a continuous work of art. Every person is, it's not like you just do this once and it's done. It just requires constant thinking. So really taking that time to self-reflect, to be in solitude, to practice gratitude, all of those amazing things to just really help me be a lot more in tune with myself. And then I'm so much better for everyone else around me in my life. And then, like I said before, just be able to take care of yourself first, and then you can be able to give as much as you want to others. If there were just one thing that you could teach to the whole world, what is, what is the one thing that you would like to teach to the world? I would love to teach people how to develop better habits. Because I think there's so many people who they want this change. They talk about it. They think about it. But when it actually comes time to make that change, it's scary because people think that they don't want to start something and fail because they don't want to feel like a failure. They don't want to start something and be judged by others because other people don't like to be judged. And just helping other people break down those barriers that they've set for themselves, I think is an amazing thing. And everyone has the tools to be able to do it. Sometimes you just need a little extra motivation. Sometimes you need a little extra guidance. And I just love being the person. I love just, that's where I get my fulfillment from is seeing someone who literally goes from, I can't, I can't, I can't to, I did, I did, I did. And that is really just kind of what lights the fire inside of me each day, just getting to work with people who 
are making true leaps and bounds in their lives each day to truly like fulfill their dreams, desires, and passions. Let's talk a little bit about failure. You are a fan of failure. Tell me a little bit more about how you use failure to drive success. Failure, it's, it sucks. No one likes it. It's not fun. Like you try to succeed something, you fail. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. I just be able to develop a lot more sense of like humility with what I'm doing and realize, all right, I did make a mistake here and I just call it a learning opportunity. So I remove the word failures, mistakes, they're learning opportunities because if we're in the pursuit of a goal or a vision or whatever it is, we want to keep taking steps up. But no matter what you're achieving, it's not going to be a linear journey. It's always going to have those ups and downs. So I view when you have a down like that, you just learned a lesson that's going to get you closer to achieving your goal. So a lot of people see like a failure is like, I started here and now I go two steps back. To me, it's like, okay, maybe I took one or two steps back, but now it's propelling me three more steps forward. And it is mindset. It's like viewing a glass of water, whether it's half full or half empty. That's just how I choose to view it. And that is what has accelerated my growth as a person and professional and just gives me the best outlook on life possible. And it's just all how you perceive the situation that you have at hand. So it does take a little bit of practice to turn failure into this nasty thing that we hate to something that like, all right, like this is going to be good. I'm going to level up from this. Part of a job that I had was to be on the admissions committee for a physician assistant program, very competitive program. We get hundreds of applica- applications for 50 spots. You'd look at all of these people who look perfect on paper and they had perfect GPAs and, and you'd think they never failed in their lives. Couldn't help thinking if you see somebody who has never failed, they haven't pushed themselves. Like if you never challenged yourself enough to fail, then you're not pushing hard enough. You're not pushing the boundary. You're not living to your potential because all you've done are the things that you can succeed at. That is so powerful, Jason. Like that is an amazing message. And I hope everyone heard that because it is so true. And that's almost like you want to find like your comfort zone in there. And like my mind, like your comfort zone is going to kill you. Like if you're always staying where it's comfortable, it's nice and warm, you're never going to grow. You're never going to reach further levels. And I gain a lot of respect. Like if someone fails, like I don't look at them as like, oh, they just, they messed up real bad or anything. I respect them because they, they learn from their mistake and they keep going. Like, I think that's awesome. I respect them even more when they fail and then get up and go again. I love it. So huge advocate for failure. One of my favorite quotes from Thomas Edison is, I never failed to make a light bulb. I just discovered 10,000 ways that didn't work. Um, So that's, you know, it's a great perspective. The formula 409 cleaner. I, I never knew this till I read, till I read it in your book, but uh, there were, you know, 408 failed solutions to make this cleaning product before the 409th one became a great cleaner. You know what? I'm, if you fail 408 or nine times, then I give you permission to quit, but you have to at least fail that many times before you stop pursuing that specific thing. So as soon as you fold, you put your cards down, like game over. But if you always are holding up and still holding on, don't give up. And there's always still a chance. So there also is that as well. Now, Alec, you started out with a goal to be involved in soccer. And are you still involved in some level in that game? Yes, I actually coach now. I coach about kindergarten up through middle school, boys and girls. So I literally went from training with professional teams where you have guys barking at you, just chewing you out, to literally building up little kids who are really struggling to catch, throw, kick a ball. And it is just a complete 180. And it just makes me smile. I'll be like, this is where it all starts. And 
you just really bring back the part of sometimes you get to those high levels. It's like, I have to perform. This is my job. But at the end of the day, it's a game, right? Like it's supposed to be have fun and seeing these kids have fun, be able to learn and develop is just truly something else. So that is definitely a very rewarding part of coaching, especially young kids. I coached soccer for a few years when my kids were younger and playing fourth, fifth, sixth grade soccer, and they were co-ed teams and park and rec. So really informal, low key, and really focused on, you know, teaching not only the basics of the game, but, but the basics of sportsmanship winning or losing. We're all about going out there, being a team, learning to work together and having a good time about it. Um, and that's one of the great things about about sports in general, uh, soccer in particular, as we both seem to have a, had you much more than me, but we both seem to have had a little expor- experience with that sport. So, but uh, yeah, it's one of the great things about sports uh, and and definitely about soccer. So Alec, thank you so much for your time here today. I know I've learned a lot from you, both from reading your book and from talking to you today. Some of the highlights that popped out for me from our conversation include uh, your point about making sure to ask ask the questions that you have, because that's really how you learn. And if you think of a question, there's a chance, a pretty good chance that somebody else was thinking of that question at some other point in time also. The value of adding value to yourself and to other people. And the fact that when you help yourself, you you put yourself in a better position to be able to help help others. Just your desire to help people to to help be be better be their best self as the as the title of your of your, of your book says to conquer yourself and become the best you that you can be i really appreciate you having me on your show jason i really like love what you are doing here i love how what you're teaching what you're preaching i like, keep it up because i respect you so much for doing this i know a lot of people are listening to this and they are getting so much value information from the guests you have on this show as well as from you so really appreciate what you're doing Thank you very much. And thanks, Alec, for being here today. Listeners, if you have questions for me or for Alec, I can follow up with him afterwards. And thank you again for being here. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Professor Anyone podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, and share on social media.